thanks so much for coming out. It's a, it's a cold night, but it's warm in here. And it's so nice to actually see people and be together. Um, the Christmas agapes are always so special. And tonight's special too, because we get to be together and we get to be with our friends on Zoom. Um, and we get to celebrate the magic of the season. Tonight, I'm going to talk about guardian angels. And I'm going to talk about finding your worth. And I'm going to talk about hope. And I'm going to talk about the magic of the season. And of course, all through the lens of agape. How fun is that? We're also going to celebrate that this is the most wonderful time of the year, no question. And it is a wonderful life. Speaking of, it's a wonderful life. Many of you may know that It's a Wonderful Life is a classic movie. If you haven't seen it, watch it this Christmas. It's so special. It's the story about a guy named George Bailey. And George Bailey grows up in Bedford Falls. And he has lots of friends and a lovely wife and kids and everything to be grateful for. But he falls on some hard times. He's down on his luck. He's down on himself. He's absolutely, positively convinced that he's worth more dead than he is alive. He's also convinced that he never should have been born. And there's a scene, it's Christmas Eve, and he decides, should I just end it all? But no. In comes his guardian angel, Clarence. And Clarence has the chance to talk to George and say, you want to see your life? You want to see what life would be like without you in it? And so George get, gets a bird's eye view of what life would have been like had George not been in it. And he sees firsthand how much he's touched people, how much people have touched him, how much he's helped people. And he realizes his worth. And that's what guardian angels can do, right? They can help us see our worth. I started thinking a lot about that movie, um, obviously, in the pandemic times that we now live in. And I started to think, God puts guardian angels, or I call them guiding angels, in our life so that we can see things we wouldn't otherwise see. We can hear things and be intentional and maybe hear God's whisper. They touch our hearts so that we can touch other people's hearts. Our guardian angels make us better and they help move our lives forward. I wanna share with you a couple of guarding or guiding angels in my life so that you might be able to see them in yours. The first person that I want to talk about is my sister Maureen. And boy, was she both a guardian and a guiding angel to me. And it's no surprise, no surprise, 
that Maureen's favorite movie was It's a Wonderful Life. She watched it all year round and she binge watched it on Christmas. She loved the movie. And you know why? Because my sister Maureen lived Christmas every day. She was 15 months older than me and the oldest of five in our family. And she came into this world prematurely and faced so many challenges right from the get-go. She had medical issues. She had emotional issues. She had mental issues. She had so many challenges. And yet she was this light in our family. And she wouldn't let those challenges get her down. She would just take them and run with it. The medical offices, they were pretty much second home to Maureen. In school, it was never, she was, it was never her friend. She had trouble reading. She had trouble writing. She had trouble hearing. She had trouble seeing the board. And back when we were growing up, way, way back when, they just mainstreamed everyone. So she was always on this treadmill, just trying to keep up. And of course, as you can imagine, the bullies, they had a field day with Maureen. I'll never forget the afternoon I was walking home with Maureen. We were in elementary school. And some boys in our neighborhood came up from behind, and they tackled Maureen to the ground. And they took, do you know what green burrs are? They're burrs, they're sticky, and they stick to anything. They took handfuls of green burrs, and they just stuck them all over her head. And I'm embarrassed to say, all I could do was scream. We got home, and I remember being in the kitchen, and my mother was cutting out each of the burrs out of my sister's long hair, because it's the only way you can get the burrs out. And my mother would rub her hair, you know, lovingly and gingerly. And by the time my mother finished, her hair was short, like a pixie. And my mother said to Maureen, Maureen, it's only hair. It'll go back. And I remember her saying, it's only hair. I don't care. And in that moment, she was trying to help us, trying to make me not feel bad trying to make my mother not worry. But you see, that's what Maureen did for her whole life. No matter what her challenges were, it was always about us, protecting us, and making sure we were okay, even if she suffered. And you know, as her sister, and we have, I have two other sisters and a brother, we had this bird's eye view because we could learn about love, and learn about resilience, and about forgiveness, and about what it means to be part of a family, all through Maureen. And boy, did she brag about us. She would tell everyone everything. I mean, everything we ever did was exaggerated. And, and then she would just spread it to, to, to strangers, because she had never met a stranger. And Maureen had this child like nature about her. She, some days we would tease her and some days she was eight years old and other days she was 12. And she loved Disney. She loved the Magic Kingdom. 
and she especially loved Tinkerbell. And I think it was because Maureen just had no sense in a beautiful way of boundaries. And she also just kind of jumped and found her wings. That's how she lived her life. And I think there was something with Tinkerbell and the wings. She also loved the horses. And she loved to like bet on horses. And she loved the pageantry of the Kentucky Derby. She just thought it was the coolest thing. And every time she bet on a horse, she bet on the long shot. And you know, it was because Maureen was always the long shot. But we always bet on Maureen to win. She also loved Queen Elizabeth and the royal family um, and all things Buckingham Palace because to her, our family was royalty. And that's what that represented. And she taught us so many lessons because she kept us young. She kept us so young and she kept us so grounded. And she always reminded us of God's love and God's light shining through in our house and how special that God was to plant Maureen in our family because God always has a plan, right? So last May, just after Maureen turned 60 years old, um, she passed away. And her last Christmas, her like favorite day of the year, right? Um, she was rushed to the hospital and was in the ICU and was really struggling. And she didn't want to leave us. And she just kept fighting and fighting because that was her spirit. So her fight lasted right until May when she passed away. So she fought for five months so that we could have five more months with her. And towards the end of her life, her seizures were getting so bad that she was losing her speech and, and losing her chance to, to communicate with us, which was so hard because Maureen was the, per the person that called us 17 times a day, not because she had anything to say, but because she had everything to say. So for her not to be able to talk to us was just so hard. But I remember she said to me in the hospital, if it gets to the point that I can't talk anymore, I want you to know how much I love you. How awesome. Those were one of her last words, how much she loved us. And I started thinking about us being here on this earth, right? What are we here for? We're here to love each other and to love God and to see God in each other and to live agape. Because that's the way Maureen lived her life. And we're all struggling. If we went around this room or out on Zoom and said, what's your biggest worry? We all have worries. We all have struggles. But God's with us. And we can love ourselves through them. And when I think back on Maureen's life, she delivered so much to us. And the one thing that we were able to deliver in the end for Maureen was we loved her home. 
We loved her home to heaven. And then we knew, we knew she had everything she could ever want. Another person that reminds me of Clarence, that I had a, a wonderful, I guess, blessing and, and chance to call my friend, is someone here at Boston College that many of you might not know um, because he since has gone home to God as well. His name's Father Bill Neenan. Then he passed away about six years ago. And Father Neenan was this giant of a Jesuit here at Boston College. Maybe some of your parents um, or some of the people that you know that have graduated in the past, if you ask them about Father Neenan, they would know of him because everyone knew of Father Neenan. He was Jesus in the midst. He was out on campus and he was meeting everyone and anyone he could. He had so many friends because he had never met a stranger. And when you became his friend, you know what he would say? He would say, welcome a stranger. He was just amazing grace. He worked here for 35 years. When I went here at, to Boston College, he was the Dean of Arts and Sciences, so Morrissey School of Arts and Sciences, and then he became academic vice president, and then he became special assistant to the president here at Boston College, vice president and special assistant. And he is always, in my book, special assistant to God, because he saw every day as an opportunity to share God's love and to share God's grace, even to those that didn't believe. And he had this like big booming voice and this jolly, laugh like Santa. And he would, I had the opportunity to work with him in our Hefferin house. And he would come in the back door of the kitchen and slam the door. I go, ha, 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 ha. and it, it was uncanny. He even sounded like Santa. And as much as he was so loving and smart, smart as a whip, he would get you, he wanted you to read as many books as you possibly could. He wanted you to study economics and he wanted you to learn more about your family, where you're from, who do you know? You weren't born on third base. You didn't get here. You got here because of your family or you got here because of friends. He'd always remind you of that. And at the same time, he could be tough. And he was especially tough when he was talking about faith. And he would say, you know what? You were born into this faith and it's your responsibility and your job to practice it. And Father Neenan was a sports junkie. So we always had a sports analogy. And I remember this one. He, he used to say, a wide receiver. You're a wide receiver. Your only job is to catch the ball. When you practice your faith, that's your job. That's your responsibility. Don't drop the ball. He had so much wisdom and so many friends out there, especially watching Zoom tonight. Everyone just loved Father Neenan. And in his obituary, they called him the pastor of Boston College, which is very, very true. He loved this place and this place loved him back. But he also had this great way of helping you through problems and through struggles. And I think a lot about him during these days, like 
what would Father Neiman say about COVID? What would he say? And I thought, well, he's always said to me, we all need to go through our Good Fridays to realize the glory of Easter. And I think he would say, this is a long Good Friday. But then I started to think about another lesson that he helped me with that was very similar. And I want to share it with you. I've shared it with a lot of people. Um, it's helped me in my life and helped me. I, I'm the mother of four daughters. It's helped me with the girls and it's helped the girls. And so I'm going to share this little story with you in hopes that you can share it with other people. So I was going through this rough patch. And you know, when you're going through those rough patches, maybe you're not fun to be around. You're not your best self. You're aggravated. You're frustrated. You're cranky. It's just not a good situation. So when you work with people and you're like that, they, they know like what is going on. So I was in one of those zones and he said to me, Hey, Karen, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. So I went into his office, his comfy, cozy office, and we sat down and he said, what's going on? And I just said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, what's going on? He said, you're, you're just not yourself. And I just said, I'm just frustrated. I, I'm, I'm frustrated about something that's going, a couple of things that are going on. And it just doesn't seem fair. And it just doesn't seem right. And I'm, I, I just can't let it go. And so he looked at me. And then he paused for a few minutes. And then he completely changed the subject. And he said to me, Karen, have you ever gone to Paris? And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Paris, I have a problem here. So I said, no, I've never been to Paris, Father. And he said, the first time I went to Paris, I stood on the street corner. And I couldn't get over how wide the streets were. And the traffic, it was so busy. And the cars were just whizzing by. And I remember thinking, how does anyone get across the street alive. How does that happen? So he said, so I started to notice that the people that walked off the curve and started to weave and dodge into the oncoming traffic, they had a terrible time making it across. But then I noticed the people that stepped off the curb and they just kept walking straight, walking strong, walking confidently, they made it across just fine. And then he winked at me. And he said, Karen, don't get caught up in all the things that pull you away from what God wants for you. Don't get caught up in all that oncoming traffic. God wants the best for you. Keep walking straight. He's right there beside you. He's right behind you. He's right in front of you. Keep walking straight. And I remember thinking, like, that was just such an epiphany for me. Of course. Like, I've got to get out of my head. I've got to get out of all the distractions and all the things that, that pull me away from being my best self. Because God's right there. Like, what else do I want, right? And as I mentioned, you know, raising four girls, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot going on. But I always say to the girls, they'll call me and say, I have this problem, I have that problem. 
and I'll say busy Paris street. Just keep walking straight. So I say that to you. You're in a semester that has been a busy Paris street. You've obviously walked straight, you're here. Um, but keep walking straight, knowing that God's right with you, God's right beside you, God's right in front of you. And during these tough times, we need our faith. We need our faith to show us God's love. And we need each other to show each other God's love so that we can live agape, right? If I stopped right now, I wouldn't do someone that I've known a really long time and loved a really long time justice. So I have to kind of wrap this up with one final story, one final, I guess, lesson that I hope you can take with you as you move through Christmas and into 2021. I've loved this person for a lifetime. This figure has helped me realize that I have a wild imagination, realize that I have great hope, realize that I should see other people before I see my, think about myself. This person has taught me about patience and taught me about kindness and taught me about magic and the magic that defines the Christmas season. A lot of you know this person or this figure. I'm talking about Santa. And I'm ending with a plea tonight to not give up on Santa. We have the chance to give up on so many things. Don't give up on Santa. When I was a kid, I always believed in Santa. And even you think back like you're in elementary school, talk about bullies. You know, when you start telling them in sixth grade, you still believe in Santa. And you realize like one of your friends tells you that the Santa at the mall is really your postman. And then if you start to unwrap your gifts under the tree, you see price tags and you realize that the, the, the gift wrapping doesn't wrap up, doesn't match up because it's all the same. And could that be Santa? But no matter what anyone said to me, I always believed in Santa. And I think Maureen helped me with that. And I wasn't going to give up. I wasn't going to give up on Santa and the magic and the hope and the love. And my mother had found years ago, I, I wrote something for school and I had to write a list of why I believe in Santa Claus. And so I'm just going to share with you way, way back when I was in third grade, why I believed in Santa. Reason number one, my parents could never afford all the gifts under our tree. Reason number two, my parents would never have enough time to shop and wrap all the presents. Reason number three, the whole world couldn't be caught up in this big Santa conspiracy, could they? Reason number four, only Santa could figure out that perfect gift that I never even asked for. And reason number five, I need to believe. And I need to believe, especially 
for my sister Maureen. But you know what? That wasn't true. I needed to believe for me because Christmas holds such magic. And for me, Santa represented the coming of our Christ child, the hope that lives on Christmas Day when Jesus is born. What an extraordinary gift. And so I made a promise to myself that I would never, ever say there's no such thing as Santa. And I would never tell anyone that I don't believe in Santa. I have four girls, as you know. That's my husband and I raised them. We never have once said there's no such thing as Santa. That's caused some problems over the years with some kids. But you know what? Life's a busy Paris street. We just kept walking straight, fighting for Santa. So I'm asking you, I'm asking you to celebrate Santa this season. Around campus, we're putting hundreds of Santa hats. Don't your Santa hat. You get your Santa on. When you leave tonight, take a Santa hat. Share it with someone else. We have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to celebrate. The Christ child is coming. This is the most wonderful time of the year. My Christmas hope for you is that you never forget that it's a wonderful life because you're in it. It's a wonderful life because you are in it. So, listen to the jingle bells, wear your Santa hat, always believe and know that God is agape. And as Father Michael Himes would say, and we get to live that. We get to enact that. Merry Christmas. <laughs>